Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Not so much the band. I mean, yeah, you go, they played well or they did something, you know, out of the ordinary, which doesn't happen that often. But um, at any rate, I think it's about when you show up and you do shows like Verona and you do shows like Hockenheim or you do, you know, you do these uh, monumental shows where the fans, you, you just get to kind of get immersed in the fans. That's really what it's about for us. Thank you. Yeah, we were talking backstage before we came out about how much of the KISS experience, maybe even arguably all of the KISS experience, is led and, and inspired by the fans and the relationship that the band and the fans share, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the, we steal all their ideas for, for merchandise because <laughs> <laughs> everybody sends us stuff every day. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's a really, it's, it's a tight-knit group. All you guys have, have been with us for years, and some of you have been on, like, 11 cruises. This is your 12 cruises. We'll be coming up here next week. Uh, and so, yeah, we have a really... I think we're very tight with our fans. We have... Uh, we're able to talk to them. We're able to email them back and forth. A lot of people have my email address, and I get emails from them because we like to hear what, you know, what our fans... It's hard to um, it's hard to understand at some point when you go, wow, you, they really like us, 
you know, that people, people really like you as, you know, as meaning something to them in their life. That's a really hard thing to kind of accept because then you have to really be careful on what you do because you have to set the example for... It comes know, with responsibility. It comes it? with a lot of responsibility. And so that's why these cruises have been so important to, you know, the, the KISS guys because they get, this is the only time we've got a chance to really sit and interact with everybody because we're hitting town after town after town and we do, even though we do our meet and greets and we do a Q&A and we try to do things for fans that no other bands do. Try to get more personal and have more, because it's tough in this world, you know, with the pandemic and everything else in order to have you know, people to get close, to talk to, especially in the last three years. And we've gone to great lengths to be able to, as you can see, the band can get close to you, can talk to you, you, you can understand what you're doing. And that's a really important part of Gene and Paul and Tommy and Eric's, you know, whole concept of why we're out here doing this. So we take our hats off to you guys. That's why we're here. A round of applause for yourselves. Yes, yes. I reckon. A big round of applause for you guys. Uh, who is our next question asker? Fire away. Hi, Doc. My name is Scott Wynn. I'm from San Diego. There you go. I like San Diego. Um, what are some of the biggest changes or challenges in the music industry since the early days of you starting to manage KISS? You know, we talked about this a little bit uh, backstage, and um, the world has changed. You know, it's, it's gone, you know, full circle nowadays where you guys can go and maybe see three or four or five bands a year or six bands a year. It's financially impossible to do that. Uh, every, everything has gotten so crazy when it comes to expenses. And, uh, you know, we were talking uh, earlier about you know, it's the same way and if you wanted to take your family to a soccer game and you wanted to, you had four of you, you'd probably spend four or $500 to go to a soccer game. You know, by the time you park and the tickets and food and everything else. And I think that the, the, the cost of entertainment has gone way over where it should be. I think the greed factor from everybody involved has gone crazy and uh i think we have to get back to we're talking about in 1995 when we were doing the kiss reunion tour i tried to keep the, the ticket price under 25 dollars. that was in 1995 now Ticketmaster's uh surcharge is probably 60 dollars. okay so you know people are spending thousands of dollars to try to get tickets to go see bands, which is pretty crazy because you just can't go see the amount of artists that you want. So when you can't do that, then it will start to move, you know, down the hill, you know, as they say, shit rolls downhill. It goes to where now there won't be enough bands to be able to have people come to their shows because people, you know, can only go to, say, two or three shows a year not their five or six that they were going to go to. So I think there's going to be an adjustment in all this. Uh, and there should be an adjustment 
on uh, on all fronts to try to get it back to, you know, where you can afford to go see three or three or four or five bands a year. Can you see any practical, obvious adjustments or solutions that lie ahead that can make it more affordable and doable for you know your average working class fan to attend more concerts and see more bands and for the bands to exist and continue to tour? Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, where we are, okay, I'll just tell you about this last three years. So we've had to do about 85 shows that were makeup shows that were on during the pandemic, and then we came back. Well, when we sold the tickets three years ago, we're at this number. Well, now our expenses are 30 to 40% more to, to, to go do the shows. Now, you know, they're not going to do a GoFundMe page for KISS, okay? <laughs> so, okay. so that's for sure they're not going to do that. But what it does do is the guys had, had to look and say, we're not going to make any money, okay? But we have to go do this. And when we looked at it, nobody said, let's cut the pyro, let's cut the experience, that people get to save money, it was, we have to give them the show. So I think that that's where, just for us, so we spent the last year and few months pretty much just doing shows for the like fans and us. Sense, well, you know, yeah. to, to, to kind of just keep Kiss what it should have been instead of, you know, what it should be instead of trying to get back and saying, how do we cut back and how do we give them less and kiss has never been about giving people less it's about giving them more so that's what we've done love it yeah doc said earlier on if you're gonna have to charge a hundred dollars for a ticket give them a two hundred dollar show and that's the that's the kiss mantra yes sir next question hey g'day doc michael from australia g'day mate how you going fair dinkum bloody open fruit. Got a good contingent here. It's great to be. Thanks again for getting it back on and getting it organised. Mate, want to know when the show starts? Do you start to relax? Like when they're on stage, is that when you switch off, or when do you switch off? And what's your switch off point either during or after the show? I kind of switch off after the show because we have so many moving parts during the show. Um, and believe me, if it can go wrong, it will. So. You know, no, you don't need Gene hanging upside down, you know, <laughs> and staring at me, <laughs> you know, and I'm in a lounge chair or something, sleeping. You know, Kicking so, back with a cocktail. Yeah, yeah. So it's so I really it it usually when I get back to the hotel, but when we start at four o'clock, when we start going at four o'clock, we start our meet and greets, and we're all pretty much on point the entire time until it is better when they do get on stage and you hear the first note you know the show is going to go on at least you know you go it's yeah we can't we can't stop that but then you just got to watch the and then plus there's watching merchandise and watching there's just a lot of things to do so you know it's one of those things I will say this, though, and I'm sure people in the room can attest to this, is yesterday when the sail-off show was taking place, 
you seem really relaxed and at ease and happy, kind of just roaming the deck and making yourself available to people. And yeah, really I, was, nice I, was, I was on drugs. So I was, uh, I was, uh, That's the secret. That's the secret. That's it. <laughs> Could I ask you this before we jump to the next question? Um, the first show of the 90, was it 95, 96? 96 reunion tour, where did you watch that show from? What was going through your mind at that point? Because obviously I know you'd put in so much work to get to that point. Then that's kind of the payoff for all the hard work. Do you remember that night and, and your emotions and, and where you're watching the show? and putting Yeah, it in the we actually watched, you know, I watched the show from the sound mixer uh, because you can't really watch it from stage because all the pyro that's up there. So you're, you can't really see anything anyway, so... Anyways, I watched it from the sound mixer, and and it was a good show. You know, it was great for them. You know, we had uh, the original band members together, you know, playing for the first time in 17 years. And uh, they almost remembered the songs, which was good. Uh, but then afterwards, we celebrated by going to White Castle. We went <laughs> at 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, That's in, a fast in, food chain, right? Yeah, a fast yeah. food chain in Detroit. And we sat there, that, so that was our big after party yeah, for our stadium show. That's the high life. Yes, sir. My name's Jay. I'm from Houston, Texas. Go Astros. Yeah. Woo! Thank you. I brought my trash can. Um, my question for you, and this could be taken as serious or not serious, however you want to take it, but to quote the uh, Kiss lyric, do you feel like God gave rock and roll to you? Well, I think, yes, I'm sure he did, because um, I've been doing this like 47 years, something like that, so somehow, you know, like, you know, my wife's here and my, my grandkids are here, um, but, you know, I mean, Jesus, uh, you just, you, you start this, and yeah, I guess it's just been part of my life for so long, Um and we're entrenched in it because we, we go on the road with our bands, you know, so we, we spend a lot of time where a lot of people don't. I mean, most people in my business won't go out and, and spend that much time away from their home and their families. Uh, so, you know, for us, we've kind of, I think when we got married in 86, my wife and I left in August, and we got back in March or something. We were like gone for, you know, we just went around the world because we had Motley here and and Bon Jovi here and Scorpions and Skids, and that, so it was all over the place. And it took us about six months to even get back home. Actually, we got home and our all of our wedding gifts were in the living room still. <laughs> so, so yeah. So I I have to say yeah. Um, it's been it's been a great ride for us. I mean, geez, you have to pinch yourself to say that you're able to do this. For and you know, people go, God, don't you just want to retire? And you go, oh, fuck, what? <laughs> and Why? give up the life? Yeah, give this up? No, no. So no, it's been it's been awesome, and uh, and to meet the people that we've gotten to meet around the world, you know, in in all the different countries. We basically go around the world every year, you know, and then pretty much with all the different bands. Every year we go into all the different countries, 35, 40 countries. So 
we get to meet people from everywhere and we've had great relationships with people around the world so it's it's been a it's kind of a dream kind of thing dream, God bless dream you. job thanks for doing it thank you yes sir off the back of what you were just talking about there because I'm aware that not many managers go out on the road. Most of them kind of just send their acts out and sit at home and collect the percentage fees. Um, what, in your opinion, makes for a good manager? What are the qualities and you know necessities to do that role well? Well, I think it's a lot of uh, it's like being a parent. Okay, so you either are a parent or you're trying to be their friend, and you can kind of be their friend a little bit, but you really have to be that parent. You have to be, no matter how old they are, okay? They want somebody there to, that can make decisions that are hard decisions, hard on for them to understand, but the best for the overall situation. So I think that you, for a manager, I think they have to just think of it like that, think of it that, it's for the overall experience of, of being the parent and not just a friend. So. Do you find you almost become better friends with clients when you stop working with them? <laughs> does the friendship then you know, grow and evolve? Some, sometimes it does. And listen, in any relationship on anything, whether you work with somebody, whether you play baseball with somebody for two years or on a a book club or whatever, it's hard to keep a relationship with people because people move and change all the time and they have different ideas. And so a lot of things, a lot of times people just move apart when you see like, you know, uh, Bel Belichick and Brady that split up, you know, that, that was a team that was yeah, unbelievable. And you go, what happened there? But just shit happens. And people move on, and people want different things that the other person isn't giving. And so, you know, you don't you, you learn by your mistakes if you if they're really mistakes, uh, and you just move through it. But you always there's nobody I don't have a great relationship with, you know, for all the people that I've managed over the years, and I've managed a lot of people. Through a lot of crazy times as well, um, yeah. and that, that's a rare thing in this industry, I think. So that's obviously a testament to the, I guess, the foundations that you lay when working with these people. No, yeah, you know, it's it's not a. Um, there's no science to it. You can't go to school for it. Um, you have to be there, and you have to do it. So it's you know, and like I said, it's. It's just keeping, the hardest thing is keeping people real. That they, because it's so hard, you get these kids that are 20 years old and they go like this and 20,000 people are waving their hands and then everybody's up their ass and they can, you know, and they can, they're above the law and they can do whatever they want to do. And you're supposed to be the voice of reason. It's a hard thing for them to understand. And some of them do and some of them don't. So... It's, um, there's a balance for sure between, but it's, it's very difficult for a lot of managers that are what they call managers, because to me, 
there's, you know, they're like doctors. There's doctors that, that heal people and there's doctors that kill people. So there's managers and there's damagers. And so, you know, and that's what you're going to have. You know. Who's got the biggest ego in rock and roll? Is that a question you can answer on this stage? Probably the managers. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What attracted you back in the day to Motley Crue? Because I gather you didn't start out working with rock bands. Uh, and I imagine they weren't the most polished and you know, accomplished act in their younger years. What was it about them that you saw you knew that there was something special there and you were you know, attracted to want to work with them? Well, I think, that, you know, I, I think the hardest thing about a job or picking people or whatever, saying that you're picking people, if you're picking them and the people go, wow, you really have a taste for, you can find those people, right? Well, it's not my taste. When I saw Motley Crue, my wife and I went to New Year's Evil, okay, Santa Monica Civic Center, and we couldn't even understand what they were playing. They were so bad. They were horrible. And all they were doing was rolling around, blowing shit up. And, and I mean, really, they were terrible. And I'm watching, but I don't watch them. I watch the audience. And there were 3,000 kids going ape shit. They bought every piece of merchandise. They, you know, they were, they were, they connected. So Motley Crue connected. It wasn't like I, we got home that night and got in the hot tub and put Shouted the Devil on. You know what I mean? It, so it wasn't one of those. It was one of those things where I went, I get it because I see people get it. That's where people get, you know, you, you, if I just did shit that I liked, I, I probably couldn't sell anything, you know what I mean? Because a lot of the artists that I, that I like to listen to are not big artists. They just have things I like to hear. So those are, that's my thing. My, I'm in the music business, so I have to pick what people like and then try to empower that artist to become a better artist. I try to find the, the secretariat that's 
off and deep, you know, somewhere and can bring that to the racetrack and, and make it win. So that's what I think you have to do. Because if you just sign stuff that you like, wow, you get, you get murdered. I've done it, believe me. Did you see the dirt? Yeah, no, I watched We saw it. We went to the uh, premiere of it. And Nikki said to me, he goes, wow, I've seen this movie four times and I look like a dick. And I go, well, that's the only part that was true about the movie. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, no, it was, you know, what, what was interesting about the, the, the movie was is the, the difference in the social acceptance of what went on during that time period. When you saw the dirt two years ago, you would go, wow, they, I'm not sure this is the right time to put something out that's so graphic and so crazy as that. And it wasn't a great, it wasn't really well done, but what it did do is kids that were less, you know, younger than 30 years old will never see anything like that in their entire life. So that so this was like Fast Times at Ridgemont High for them, you know what I mean? Because they go, wow, that's the craziest shit I've ever seen. Did that really happen? You know, and, and so that was the inspiration of that movie for Motley, and it actually helped it tremendously because a lot of kids wanted to go see the bad boys of rock and roll again because, you know, kids are are really drawn to danger. And so I think the, the dirt kind of brought that back to the Motley guys. Well, the book definitely did that, didn't it, for the previous generation? And I guess the film, as you say, has done it for a, a later one, and that's a huge part of the you know, reason for their longevity. When it comes to Kiss, what do you think the longevity is there? I mean, I guess everybody in this room would have their own ideas. Some are yeah, much more obvious it's... than others. But what is it for you that means that that band have just stood the all-time test of time and continue to? Well, the, because we're still here. <laughs> I mean, it's not like we've done anything completely different. You know, I, I like bands like that. I like, like ACDC. They'll make, they'll make the same record eight times in a row. Okay? But you know what you get. You know when you're going to go see ACDC, you know what you're going to get. When you go see KISS, you know you're going to get a great show. You don't mind spending the money because you go, I get it. They're going to do some great shit. It's going to be a lot of fun. You know what I mean? It's going to be a good experience. And so that's really what, I think that's where, where you have to go with all this. You know what I mean? With, with, uh, with, with building that type of a, a, a fan base. So it, it's all about building your show, that's all. Do you have any mentors in the industry from a managerial side, either people who you directly knew, who you'd speak to and seek counsel from, or people who you would just watch from afar and admire? Are there people that preceded you, that kind of showed you the way and inspired yeah, you? Yeah, you always get, you know, you always look at, at stuff and, and hope that you can, you know, like when you go, you know, Colonel Parker, I met Colonel Parker. And um, so I spent some time with Colonel Parker and with, uh, you know, just so many great managers. Uh, and not that Colonel Parker was a great manager. He just happened to be in that time frame uh, 
that he got Alvis, really didn't understand Alvis that much, uh, wanted to bring him in the circus, <laughs> the circus act, all that. I mean, just, and so a lot of shit just happens because you're, you're there and you got like Peter Grant, who basically did the same thing with, with Zeppelin. You know, we're good managers for certain people. Sharon Osbourne, best manager in the world for Ozzy, by far. Whether she would ever manage anybody else or do anything. Those are uh, Tim Collins, who, who managed uh, Aerosmith during the, during the great days of Aerosmith. Post the first one, when they got sober and stuff and did some great records and, and were really on top of their game. He did a great job on it. So, yeah, when you look at, you try to take um, what people are doing, but really the, what a manager is, is is not just to make sure that uh, the dog gets fed and your your girlfriend gets picked up on, the, on time and flowers are sent to her room. It's really about changing your life. Doing something that changes everything that they do. Just so, and that's, and so you just could make shit up <laughs> and, you, and you hope it works. You know what I mean? So a lot of it is that, but it's really, it's pushing people to make them to go the extra dis distance. When Kiss, when we, we talked and went to CAA and everything else, they wanted to do, I'm sure everybody's heard this story, but the, they wanted to do 10 theater shows in makeup. And I said, what? They go, yeah, let's do 10 shows, we'll sell those shows, and then we can go to small arenas. And I said, no, how about this? We'll rent the Intrepid, and then we'll do a press conference there, and we'll do Tiger Stadium. They go, you can't do Tiger Stadium. I go, okay, then I quit. Okay, <laughs> because... That I think they can. So we put it up and we sold it in 20 minutes, and here we are 30 years later almost. So, um, but I mean, those are not, not for me, but I mean, I'm just saying those are the types of moves that I, that I see that are great managerial moves that, that enhance people, that, that takes them to another level. Those are the types of things. I, I think those managers that do that you know, some of the stuff that was done with the Eagles, and some of the stuff that even was done with, like, Alice Cooper in the early days, and, and Rod Stewart in the early days, and some of the things that the Stones did. And Brian Epstein, who didn't know anything about management, uh, pulled some stuff off in New York and everything else when they did the, you know, uh, the Ed Sullivan show and everything else and the way he shot it. And so it's just about you have to... You have to bring a better game to those people. And the reason why most managers lose an artist is because they quit having those ideas for them. Or the, or the, or the artist doesn't want to hear any new ideas. So, um, yeah, it's... And there's some really good... I think there's some really good young managers that are going to come forward, but it's just a tough business because it's a people's business and like I said you can't uh you got Jeff Azoff right who's Irving's son I've known him since he was born he's a really nice kid he's got Harry Styles okay probably because of Irving I'm sure 
but he will have to earn that respect of Harry Styles in order to keep him. Otherwise, Harry's going to move on, and that's, that's what happens. Is Shep Gordon a pal of yours? Shep is a good pal of mine, and uh, I, I respect Shep, and I've known him for 40-some years, and um, very interesting guy, same, same concept of, of everything. He just, whether he does a chef or whether he does whatever he does, he's, he's that guy, he's the super mensch. And uh, he's, you know, he's, he's bigger than the bands. So Chef is, Chef is bigger than who he manages, so, which is good, I guess. I love that documentary, yes, yeah, Supermensch is amazing. Yeah. Have you thought about doing a book? Is that something that appeals to you in any way? Yeah, you know, we've, we've talked about doing this book for, forever, and there's a couple, a couple of things that I, I've written some stuff. I've had writers write some stuff. The whole thing is, is when you're in my position, people want to hear the dirt, okay? But I'm kind of been in that uh, inner sanctum to where I don't think it's my place to tell those stories. Uh, so I'm not. There's not going to be a tell-all book, and then. You know, you usually do a book for two reasons. You do it for the money because they go, well, I'll give you a big advance, which is not my case. And two, you think that you're going to say something that changes the way people think about things, right? I don't have that either. So I'm really kind of, I, I'm kind of sitting back. I want to do something about the fun part of the music business, which is called before the zeros, before they have money, okay? Because as soon as they have money, it all falls to shit, Okay, but uh, so yeah, I, I, so we are working on something between my wife and I, and uh, we'll see if something comes out. I don't know if anything will come out while I'm alive, but we'll see. Do you have? There was a question earlier on from somebody who, who was a no-show. Perhaps they forgot that the clocks move forward. Um, do you have any personal proudest moments, accomplishments, achievements? Um, you know, I, I gather you're happy with the, the whole ride, but. Are there any individual moments in time or, you know, things that you helped push through that have really, in your heart, meant, you know, that extra special? Yeah, I think there's quite a few of them. I mean, there's, you know, the first time you play the Forum, you know what I mean, like stuff like that, Madison Square Garden, Verona, you know, the Coliseums, the stadiums, you know what I mean, all that stuff. It's, uh, or play... The whiskey, you know, the first time you have somebody play, the, those those are monumental dates for me. You know, things that it's not doesn't have to be like, wow, I did a stadium because we do stadiums all the time. People get terrible shows in stadiums. You know, I think that uh, it, I don't know why people even want to play them because it really is a it's not good for the audience to go see somebody that's a half a mile away. You know, on a big screen, they could watch that on TV. So, but I, I, I do think that, yeah, the monumental times are those Veronas of the world, the Moscow Music Peace Festivals, uh, things that, yeah, I mean, you try, you're not trying to change the world. It just happens that you're in the timing that it, you were part of it. And so those are important things.
Well, this is pretty special, the fact that this is the 11th one of these. What was the first one like? Was that wow, a bit fr- of a shit show? Or was it- the, the <laughs> first one was kind of a shit show. I don't know who was on that one, on the, carna- on the Carnival Cruise. And uh, that was, well, see, that was part of the whole thing with cruising was nobody wanted to get on a ship. Okay, none of, none of the band members, me included, was like, we're going to get on with 3,000 people for three days? No escape. There's no escape. And then they said, so then, after I started looking at it, they were saying, okay, well, you, we could get on and get off the ship originally. And I said, no, you can't do that to the fans. If you do that, they're, they're never going to come. Why would they come? The, the idea is, is that you're part of this you're thing. You're trapped. <laughs> but what happened was, by getting trapped, we understood, we started to understand the KISS fan better than we had ever had ever uh, known them because we never had the opportunity to sit and talk to everybody. The guys didn't have a chance to really sit and talk with everybody and, and get into it. As you know, from the first to now, the access is amazing for these guys because you guys allow them to walk around and not get mauled. Okay, you can talk to them. They do a lot of Q and A's. They look forward to doing this every year. When we got to do two this year, they were all in. It was. It wasn't like you know. Oh, Jesus, we're going to do another tour. What are we doing two of them for? None of that. It was. We really enjoy this. This cruise has really been really a pivotal part of Kiss in the last ten or. 12 years, as far as them understanding their fans, you know what I mean, to, to see the, the feedback that we get from all the, the uh, from Sixth Man, who, by the way, do a fabulous job. I give them a big round of applause here. These, they've been, they've been tremendous partners, you know, for us and, uh, and get this experience that you never get, you know what I mean, to, and you try to tell people, like you say, you guys want to go on a Kiss Cruise? They go, are you nuts? <laughs> Why would we go? And you, you, try, you, you can't explain it because you go, I couldn't imagine getting on a cruise with 3,000 people that I don't know. That's why I would freak out because you go, because you have nothing in common with them. I mean, you're just in a room. And when you go to, the, to eat or whatever, Everybody has different agendas. Here, every, the agenda is Kiss, and the, and we're just basically Kiss is just the background music to your party. You guys have brought this cruise here. You brought the 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 whole connection around the world to to here where you guys now because of the internet and everything else, you guys can sit and talk to each other uh, all over the world. And then you can meet up here once a year or whatever, or at a show, or if you want to go to Mexico, you've met 20 people from Mexico, and they'll probably say, come and stay at my house, and if you're in Sweden, you do the same, you know what I mean? So the community gets bigger and bigger from just this cruise, and it's, it's, it's kind of mind-boggling. That's a little bit like a cult. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Kiss are unique in that regard because they're obviously you know, a huge act and they're mainstream and massive, but then it is, as you say, it's a cult as well. There's a loyalty there. There's a love. There's a bond. 
uh, and it runs deep. And it's well, evident more, yeah, from... more so than I've seen in <laughs> any other artist that I've ever had. You know, that 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 and I've had arguably the biggest artist in the world for forty some years, but the commitment that the fans have to this band is insane around the world. I mean, there's if I hear it once, I hear it a hundred times a day. You don't know. This guy's the biggest Kiss fan in the entire world. He's got shit for days. His, his, his garage, his wife's going to divorce him. He's built, he's built this whole thing. <laughs> and this is everywhere we go. This is not like one, this is not like one thing. This is everywhere you go, you hear this every day. And, and you go, what an amazing, and they didn't do this. They, they didn't plan this. You know, there was no master plan of saying, you know what we're going to do? We're going to conquer the world and everybody's going to come on ships. And do, uh, <laughs> they just, they're just trying to get through their shit, you know? <laughs> and all of a sudden they, they hook up with, with everybody young and old and, you know, from six to 60 to 70 to, that are, are KISS fans. And this year, because I'm at all the shows, I walk around and talk to the... So I, I said to a kid who was about eight or nine years old, I said, first KISS show? I'm like this. I said, so did your parents torture you and make you come? <laughs> he, they go, no, he made us come. Because he, he had seen KISS Scooby-Doo and uh, had, had watched it for... He had watched it for about, I don't know, you know how kids watch something for like a hundred times, right? So they do it, so I figured, well, I'm in because I'm Chip Magoo, right? So I go, I go, you know, I'm Chip Magoo. And the kid looked at me and he looked at his dad and kind of choked up. He goes, he's not Chip Magoo. <laughs> I said, no, I'm actually Chip Magoo. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so you have that. You have that KISS fan that I always say around the world, and most people around the world don't know about Cracker Barrel, you know, the, the restaurant, but I always say KISS is like Cracker Barrel. There's four generations that come to eat here every day together, you know, and I don't know of any other artist that I've ever been involved with that had that type of thing. It's usually, because music is usually like, it's not even your older brother's music you want to listen to because you want to find your own. You know what I mean? But it's certainly not your parents or your brothers or your sisters. And somehow, Kiss has brought out everybody together. You go, I guess it's, I, if anybody can figure out why, tell me, will you? So I can use this on my next one next week. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing. I've interviewed a lot of musicians over the years and especially from the kind of early 80s through to 90s period, basically every band that picked up a guitar and started was because of Kiss, whether it's like Tom Morello with Rage Against the Machine, Buzz Osborne, the Melvins, like loads of really unlikely sources as well. They all name-check Kiss as the band that was the light bulb moment for them. But if you, when you look at that and you say, when did they find Kiss? They were 12, 13 years old when Kiss came out in 74. They were between 10 and 15 years old, okay? Because kids' kids' lives are animation. Kids' lives are Superman, are, you know, the Power Rangers, the, all the rest of the stuff. So to have a kiss 
that can come and connect with them is much easier than to, to, than to get a Zeppelin to connect, even though they're you know, probably one of the biggest bands of all times. But they connect more, you know, in, their, in what they do than just musically. Because I'm not sure that they're, that people, they like Kiss songs and they like, you know, Kiss music, but I think they like the overall concept of what Kiss is or what Kiss brings to the table than just music, you know. So it's it it becomes a it becomes a bigger overall concept for fans than just the musical side. Is Kiss eternal then? Is Kiss forever? You know, I hope so. You know, I would think that you know if uh, you know if this turns into Marvel and stuff like that, I think it can. I think I, listen. We're all changing every day. The way we receive music, the way we receive uh, what we're watching, uh, the the ability to watch something on an 85-inch screen that's amazing instead of a 13-inch black and white, you know, over the course of the last 30 years. It's, it's changed, so you're going to be able to see different things that come out. We just If you look at Voyager, what... I mean, what Pop House just did with uh, ABBA, with uh, the avatars. I went to London and saw it and watched it, and it was so cra- it was crazy to see him do it. And I've seen all the technology, but to watch it. But then all of a sudden, I'm sitting there and they're playing. There's a band playing, okay, on stage, and I had to go. Is that really real? I wasn't sure if it was really people or it was uh avatars playing okay because it was it's all it's all digital so i think we're going to see a different way so kiss i think i don't see how if we don't treat it the same way we don't try to you know kiss is not the hippest thing in the world and it's but it's it's real to people and people understand and if we can keep that concept and take it to the future and take it to the avatars of the world to, to I can't see that it's not around for you know for as long as they keep doing it you know, as long as they keep presenting it the right way for people I mean, I think there's going to be five or six avatar troops in the future of KISS that will go all over the place. I think you'll be able to watch different things and different parts of what KISS does forever, as long as it keeps true to what it does. You know, they don't try to change it. As you know, when, the, when KISS tried to change and go, oh, I think we'll have a squirrel, and I think we'll put a, whatever, a fox or some shit. <laughs> okay. And uh, you, you go, you go, what? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I don't think we need a squirrel and a fox. I think we need to, to keep this. So I think as long as you keep it, you know, you keep it, uh, you keep it simple, stupid. Okay, if you keep it simple and you keep it with kiss, I don't see why it's not here. Well, after all of us are, are gone and our our grandkids and everybody else can enjoy the new versions of what's to come, because that's exciting to me. Amen. 
Well, thank you for all the work and the care that you put into the project, Doc. Thank you for coming out today, everybody. Uh, we'll see you at six, maybe, for the pool deck Q&A with Kiss then. But for now, one more time, please join me in thanking the legend that is Doc McGee. Give it up. Thank you, Doc. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.